Welcome to Drinking Bros Sports, brought to you by KillCliffCBD.com. Sit back, relax, and grab a fucking drink. You're the type who loves to bet on sports, or maybe you're only playing for the first time. Either way, you need a website that gives you access to all your favorite sports and makes it simple, which is why I recommend MyBookie. Sign up today at MyBookie.ag slash Bros and use the promo code Bros to secure your deposit bonus up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. That is MyBookie.ag slash Bros. Hey, what is up, guys? We got a baseball show for you on a Tuesday, and it's an exciting one. One of the great uh, baseball authors, uh, great author in in general, but baseball is perhaps maybe his uh, best-known arena of writing. Uh, Really exciting guest today, Peter Golenbach, who's, uh, you know, written um, a ton of great baseball books, The Spirit of St. Louis, Mm -hmm. History of the Cardinals and Browns, Amazing, The Story of the Mets, Um, I assume the, uh, the Amazing Mets, the 69 Mets. Uh, and just a ton of other great books uh, uh, about the New York Yankees, all, all kinds of stuff. Peter Goldenbach on here today with us on Drinking Bro Sports. Great to have you. Well, thank you. Great to be with you. Very excited. I, me and Dan uh, Holloway, my uh, co-host here, uh, kind of obsessive baseball fans, mm-hmm. huge. Uh, There's only, there are only obsessive baseball fans. That's right. true. <clears throat> I think. That's it. If you're not an obsessive baseball fan, there's something wrong with you. It's definitely a sport that caters to the obsessive. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of numbers involved there, right? There's also, it's one of the sports where I think uh, the gut comes into play a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Analytics have have made their way, and Bill James started back in the 70s trying to convince people what these numbers meant and how to interpret them. And he made a lot of headway over the years, Uh, not so much at first, but, you know, obviously in the early 2000s. But still today, and, and we talk about this a lot, I think there's a proclivity for these managers, or at least the franchises themselves, to get too deep into it, lose the feel of the game a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we know for sure that we've lost touch of a lot of fundamentals. The base running thing, probably the most obvious yes. you know, uh, example of that. It does lend itself, as is clear by me pontificating on those, to... Yeah. to uh, to people that are kind of obsessive, so I like it. And that that book about the Mets was great. I'm a, uh, I grew up being uh, uh, Nolan Ryan was my hero as a child, uh, and it's just really interesting to know or to think about what that '69 Mets team could have been had Nolan Ryan not been hurt. I think the previous year was at '67 when he snapped that tendon in his forearm and came back, and he wasn't quite on the same track. Like he and Jerry Kuzmin came up together. Yeah, and then. He had some injury setbacks, didn't make it fully into the rotation, didn't really uh, contribute to the Mets like he did some of the other teams he played for, obviously. Well, his, problem, his problem when he came up to the Mets was that he was wild. Right. Uh, you, you started him in a game, and he could walk eight or nine opposing batters. Right. And it made the managers, the manager, incredibly nervous. And so they didn't use him as a regular starting pitcher. Um, they would pitch him, say, the, the, fifth, the fifth starter. Uh, if somebody got hurt, they would, they would throw him in there. Um, and the California Angels were very, very smart. Um, the Mets were looking for a third baseman. Uh, and California certainly, um, you know, we'll trade you Jim Fregosi and you can have, you know, we'll take Nolan Ryan off your hands. And they did that. And when he came to the Angels, 
uh, the angel said, here's the ball, go pitch. And it didn't take him take, take the angels very long to figure out that Nolan Ryan uh, was capable of throwing a no hitter virtually every time he went out. <laughs> yeah. He threw seven no hitters, something like, you know, nine, one hitters, 11, two hitters uh, and struck out what more than 4,000 hitters. The guy was amazing. He was, he struck out you know, what 5,700 something for his 5, career. 7,700. Yeah. Yeah. He I was mean, one it's of the greatest pitchers you insane. ever were. Just but a couple. The, that Mets team that, I mean, and, and let's be clear, they won a hundred games that year in 69. So it's not like they were fucking up or anything. Uh, right. They also had Tom Seaver, Jerry Kuzman, and Gary Gentry at the top of that rotation. Right. Which uh, is why they didn't need Nolan Ryan to pitch every fourth day. Right. Well, you know, I mean, maybe they didn't need it, but right, would have yeah. been, sure would have been nice to have Nolan Ryan in his prime. Well, you could season. certainly you could certainly argue that that was perhaps the worst trade in the history of baseball. It could have been. It could have been. I, certainly, it's, it's got to make any list, right? I, I honestly doesn't get enough love. I, maybe it's because I'm from St. Louis, but I always hear about the Lou Brock trade as like a, one of the great fleecings. Right. And oh, without a doubt, that's also true. Yeah, Frank Robinson. Yes, Frank Robinson's a big one. Frank Robinson for a Baltimore pitcher. That was that was another one. That's how you have to phrase that trade, too. Frank Robinson for a Baltimore pitcher. Well, he was a good pitcher. He was a lefty. <laughs> I can't remember his name at the moment. Yeah. He was a lefty, and he had, he had done very well. But historically, when you trade a pitcher for a hitter, uh, the pitchers tend to get injured. And hitters tend to continue doing whatever they've been doing for the next 10 years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, you know, you get more. Uh, yeah, the pitcher is what do you what would you call it? It's a riskier proposition just in general, even back Absolutely. then. And now it's the type of thing where, uh, I mean, if you look at the first round of the MLB draft the other day, it's just pitcher, 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 because that you gotta you gotta buy a lot of lottery tickets essentially to get your rotation in order ten years down the line. Yeah, I mean, everybody's seeing that now. The Braves, right? They've got That's all I mean, we draft. To, to be honest, the Braves. Uh, if you take uh, the the pitchers that have gone through the minor league system in the Braves and put them all on one team, you would have probably have like that are in the major leagues right now. You'd probably have three full starting rotations, right? Yeah. It, it just, they seem to be pretty good at it, but uh, they trade them away quite frequently or let them go in free agency. I guess that's the economics of the game. Speaking of uh, the economics of the game, I imagine uh, that the angels, since we're talking about them mm-hmm. are going to continue to have to spend a, quite a bit of money. But to, to what compete to compete when are the results going to come they've got three of the best i know rendon's having a, a pretty rough year this year and he's had his troubles uh, uh injury wise as well and and now trout's been out for some time uh, i think he's going to come back soon but they've got three of the best hitters in baseball and you don't hear too much about anybody other than otani right now yeah but you don't hear too much about them winning baseball games either because well, which is why when you talk about the teams that win and their pitchers you talk about the teams that lose don't have pitchers. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it comes down to. You've got the Yankees right now. The Yankee fans all over the New York metropolitan area are screaming for blood. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they want they want to fire the manager. They want to fire the general manager. They want to fire the owners. They want to fire the bat boy. Mm. Um, you know, they they're incredibly frustrated. Um, they, they haven't won a world championship in a while. Uh, and, and, you know, their problem, quite frankly, uh, <laughs> among other problems is their pitching. How, how do these teams get into these blind spots like that? You've written about baseball 
basically the entire history of it. Not maybe yeah. like every single team, but if you know you're covering the Yankees and the Cardinals and Browns, you have a pretty extensive uh, uh, backlog of baseball knowledge, well into the 20th and probably late 19th century. What how, what have you have you seen anything over time where it's like why would teams seemingly with the money and the intelligence to know what to do, how do they have these, these blind spots in the rotation with like the angels and Yankees do now, for example? Well, I mean, I I'm here in St. Petersburg where we have the Tampa Bay Rays, the Tampa Bay Rays who had a salary structure of about 60 million compared to the Yankees, 260 million uh, last year ended up in the world series playing against the Dodgers. Uh, so you wonder how in the world, can a Tampa Bay Rays team, you know, do that? And the thing that I've discovered is that you have to have an owner who picks a general manager who knows what he's doing. And the general manager then has to pick a manager who he's very comfortable with, who he can work with, who he's on the same page with. And the two of them uh, and their analytics it used to be the scouting system it's now the analytics uh have to be very smart in drafting each year during the during the uh, amateur draft um it's 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 gotten so that you almost have to start drafting pitchers because as they say pitching is what 90 percent of the game um, and the teams that win know that. Right. I, I, do we have to start treating pitching in Major League Baseball the same way that a lot of people argue you should treat the running back position in football now, which is to say there's a lot of pitching out there uh, and paying for it usually doesn't work out. So you keep cycling through young play. That's what Tampa Bay has done really successfully. Absolutely. Right? They, they keep cycling in these guys on their rookie contracts. They get what they can out of them. They move them on. Mm-hmm. Right. Because pain- and, and yet at the same time, if you're a fan of the Tampa Bay Rays and you see that they trade Blake Snell away and let uh, a Morton go, uh, you just want to bang your head against the right. wall. It's like, wait a second. You know, these are the two most important players in our team, and you're letting them go? Right. And it's uh, that. And yet, and yet, look what the Rays are doing this year. They're doing just fine. Right. Do you think, uh, I mean, look, you, you see it in college basketball now, too, with the one and done stuff. Are there any real fans of college basketball players left, or is it just about, or do people just depends on focus the pro- on the depend- team? You know depends I mean? on the program. Certainly, if you're a Kentucky fan, yeah. you're only, but I mean, they were kind of already only, I mean, they're, Kentucky goes deep, so they're rooting for the jersey first anyway. But I've talked about it with my friends uh, as a Mizzou alum. It's like, dude, I don't even know who these dudes are anymore. Because it's not just that. It's a transfer market, too, Mm. where you're just like, if they're winning, I'm happy. One of my favorite players was a transfer who was a fifth-year senior. But, like, yeah, it's it's not – you don't get to know the guys as well. And I assume that is that's got to be a problem with race fans, right? I mean, do they just really – they're like, yeah, I mean, go my team, but, like, I don't know who these guys are. That's well. The thing about think about it is in St. Petersburg, we have got this little tiny town that was absolutely thrilled to have a major league baseball team here. And when we first started out, you know, we didn't care whether they won or whether they lost. We were just happy they were here. You know, the first year they won sixty-three games, uh, and we still went. 
and we continue to go. I've got season tickets, and and you know, it's it's always better when they win. Um, but if you love the game, it's the sort of thing, you know, you got to go. Whether they win or they lose, you got to go. Unfortunately for for Tampa Bay, though, there are only about 16,000 of us. Yeah, right. Uh, if there were twenty one thousand of us, they wouldn't be talking about spending half the season in Montreal and half the season somewhere in Tampa Bay. Right. Well, you are uh, a Northeastern transplant like a lot of people in Florida are, right? Because I know that when you, when the Yankees and Red Sox come to town, quite a few more people in the stadium. They're just not there for the Rays. You'll, you'll have to excuse me. My wife turned on the her her computer, and I didn't hear what you said. So if you would do that again, please. Oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, I said... Uh, well, I said, you're a Northeastern transplant down in, in St. Petersburg, correct? Like a lot of people are down there. So the, the the stadium fills up a little more when the Yankees and Red Sox come to town, just not necessarily with the Rays fans. Yeah, well, when the Red Sox and the Yankees come, when the Yankees and the Red Sox come, um, half the half the stadium is filled with Red Sox and Yankees fans. It's, it's, it's kind of fun when, when you know, the Yankee fans start going, let's go Yankees, let's go Yankee, Yankees, and all the, the race fans just start booing. Uh, very exciting to be in the stadium when that happens. Well, speaking of booing, uh, you've written a number of, of pretty incredible books, autobiographies, I guess, uh, and, and or you're working on one now as well. Billy Martin was one of them. That guy was a character. Uh, he was a character. He, ins- he inspired a lot of rage and a lot of people, including his own owner, right? Steinbrenner and, oh, yeah. and Billy Martin had kind of a, an odd relationship. <laughs> you know, it's... Well, that, 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 that was the Bronx Zoo, uh, which I wrote with, with Sparky Lyle. Mm. And that was about the, the threesome of George Steinbrenner, Billy Martin, and Reggie Jackson, mm. all, all of whom hated each other with great intensity. Uh, it, it was quite a situation. That is a bit of a mess when you have three people who all hate all of the other people. Right. You know what I mean? Each one wanted to be the star. Right. Um, George Steinbrenner wanted to have his name in the newspaper on the, in the headlines every single day. Um, Billy really was the focus of the fans. The fans saw it as Billy Martin's Yankees. And uh, Reggie... Uh, he was the one, of course, who said that uh, Thurman Munson could only stir the drink bad, that he was the one who stirred the drink. And, and you know, that's why you had so much discord on that team. And they ended up winning. Well, I mean, you know, it's not like a basketball. That's the nice thing about baseball, I guess, is it's not basketball or football where I mean, there's, I guess, a little bit less teamwork required. Like Reggie Jackson can just go swing his bat as opposed to like. And still make an impact. Right. right? Yeah. For yeah, sure. yeah. 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 In a lot of ways, I suppose that's true. I guess uh, if you were a battery, if you're a pitcher catcher, that probably wouldn't work out too well. Yeah, that'd be less ideal. Like yeah. if uh, Jacob Degrom just hated his catcher, or yeah, something. that probably wouldn't work out too well. <laughs> yeah, for him. Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina just despise each other. Yeah, yeah that's probably probably less ideal. You uh, you have a new book coming out soon that I'm really excited about. Yeah, because this is a guy. This is I think it, it's hard to say. There's been a lot of characters in '90s, 2000s baseball. Uh, but I think uh, the the guy you're writing about now, Bobby Val- Valentine, might be our generation's. Uh, and he and I are. He's you're in your mid to late thirties, right? Mid thirty, yeah, thirty five. Thirty five. I'm forty. We grew up watching Bobby and all of his antics. He got ejected from a game. I've talked about this on the show before. Comes back in the dugout, puts uh, 
Not like an actual disguise. He's clearly fucking with people. He puts on like the fake glasses and mustache right. bullshit. It was a bit of a Groucho Marx situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 And then there's obviously, uh, I mean, that's the book you're right, but Leland was another character. So maybe yeah. he's part of it too. But he wasn't nearly as, uh, uh, as much of a troll, I guess, as Valentine was. No, no, no. Yeah, but so- Valentine, I always thought, and I, I wonder if you actually get into this in your book. Two oh, things. We get into it. Yeah, uh, two things that I thought about Valentine. <laughs> looking back, because I kind of we're both Atlanta Braves fans, mm-hmm. so we kind I kind of at the time just hated those Mets. I didn't really care how entertaining Valentine mm-hmm. was. I was just like, fuck those, fuck the Mets. Um, but I kind of think a very underrated rivalry in baseball history is those late '90s, early 2000s Braves Mets, because mm-hmm. it was such a good foil of you know, kind of the professionalism of that Braves dynasty. And then the right. Mets were just kind of wacky, right? Like, I mean, yeah. with Valentine at the head of it, do you get into it, sort of like that competition between those well, two they teams? Weren't, they weren't really wacky. The interesting thing about the Mets versus the Atlanta Braves was that Valentine was sure that the Atlanta manager really was fixing it with the umpires in such a way that the Braves pitchers, always had the advantage so that when they were in Atlanta, the catcher would always erase the uh, lines uh, near the plate. Uh, And and so when the pitchers would throw, uh, it would be such that the Atlanta pitchers always had an extra inch, both on the inside and on the outside, that the Mets pitchers, Bobby was sure, never got. So, so with a count one to one, especially he, he was talking about the fact that on the one one pitch, the Atlanta pitcher always got that call to make it one two, right? Which made it so much easier to win a ball game because when his pitchers threw that pitch, it was always a ball, and, and it was two and one. I mean, where uh, his the, the detail of it, the detail of it, when this thing comes out, you'll you'll find very interesting. Valentine, very very smart guy. Um, and his his detail and his inside stuff is just just terrific. So that, for instance, when he came out in disguise that day, um, he had gotten thrown out because there was a, a catcher's interference call, and he got thrown out. And he he went storming into the clubhouse, and a couple of his players went with him. I think um, I'm not sure. It's, Anyhow, the two players were the one who suggested, hey, why don't we try this? And one of them put sunglasses on his face and the other one took uh, th- th- that black cork and parked <laughs> up a mustache. And <laughs> made, made him, you know, they put a, a different hat on. It wasn't a Mets hat. And they sent him out and said, you know, we'll 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 stand around you so that the, the cameras can't find you. And so he went back out there on, you know, they were pushing him to do it. Uh, only to find out that one of the cameras uh, from, I don't know, left field uh, very clearly saw that it was he. <laughs> and, and it would have been fine, but, but one of his, one of the um, New York sports writers, and I, I, it's, it's funny, I read it a couple of days ago, I can tell you which one, but this New York sports writer from the New York Times, who he hated <laughs> and who hated him, uh, was the one who wrote about him extensively in the papers, and he ended up with a a, a five thousand dollar fine and a two day suspension because of this sports writer. That's worth it. Yeah, 
for that gag, that's worth. I would take that fine and suspension for sure. <laughs> he was ma- he was making seven figures. Yeah, for sure. And I did grow up uh, listening to Skip Carey explain why Glavin Smoltz Maddox got that extra inch because they were consistently there all the time. Yeah, like, yeah, right. Like <laughs> being, I, I never understood it because like you're consistently there all the time. Got it, but that's consistently still not a strike. Right, right. So where where's the evidence? Well, I, I will uh, say uh, the manager. Tell me the name of the Atlanta Bob, manager. Bobby Cox. Bobby Cox. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Cox must have been thrown out of 50 ballgames. No, he was thrown out of 160-some ballgames. Oh, uh, full he's, season. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. in season. one season. Oh, no, yeah. But, but according to Valentine, Cox was the sort of guy from the very, very first pitch would be on those umpires. That would just be ragging those people from the first pitch of the game to the last pitch of the game. Yep, that actually, that is something that uh, Tony Larusa le- levied against Cox as well. What that he was just on him all the time. Yep, that he was in- influence influencing the umpires uh, because he'd be like, "Come on, right, what are you do- Jim? What are you doing? Right, that's you know that's a strike." And and I mean, it's called being a good salesman, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. and it clearly yeah. worked. I mean, that's the and, most dominant, and especially in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It would drive Valentine absolutely crazy. Well, it's not like Valentine was. Running a bunch of rookies out there. You had what? Al Leiter and and uh, the two thousand the Subway Series. You had Leiter, Hampton, and uh, who was the other guy? Fuck, I don't remember. He was he was. Uh, oh goddamn, he was with the uh, Bobby Jones Dodgers. Yeah, Bobby oh, Jones. Oral Hershiser uh, as well. Hershiser in two thousand. Hershiser, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he had, I mean, that, that 99 and 2000s, they had quite a few. Yeah, I think it was Hershiser was the one who put the glasses on him. <laughs> that sounds like a world. I will say, uh, that there's one particular game in 97 in the ALCS that is that the counters uh, Valentine's point there. And that's LeVon Hernandez. The game that Eric Gregg called is the, yeah. that's the worst combined game I've ever seen. Now there've been worse calls that Armando Galarraga losing this perfect game because of that shitty oh, call. Right. That, that, that really sucks. But Eric Gregg strike zone for LeVon Hernandez in that 97 ALCS game is probably the worst overall thing I've ever seen in my life. It was what do you have, like 14 strikeouts or yeah, something like so, that? And I mean, it was, wasn't even, I mean, it was in the other, it'd be like in the other batter's yeah. box. I mean, yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah, well, to his, he was probably losing his vision by then. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so, yeah, that book about, I'm really looking forward to that book about Bobby Valentine, a big fan of that guy. Uh, I was embracing you. It's called Valentine's Way, and it's called Valentine's Way because you know that he managed in uh, Chibolote, in Japan and took this Chibolotti team, which was sort of the, you know, the Chicago Cubs of, mm. of, of Japanese baseball to a championship. And they actually named a street, one of the streets adjacent to the stadium. They named Valentine's way. I love that. I could, wait, I, do you think he's the type of guy baseball is sort of missing in the dugout now? I mean, you've got plenty of, I mean, I guess you got Joe Madden would be the only other one that I could even think of if you're talking about, like, personality in the dugout off the top of my head. Well, the, the, the idea now is that you should have a manager who pats everybody on the back. Right. Um, we have Kevin Cash, who was manager of the year last year, took the team to the World Series. Um, you know, the idea is that these are professional ball players and that they, they should know to hustle by definition – uh, when they come up, they should know, you know, uh, to back up the base, to tag when you're supposed to tag. They, you should know the fundamentals. Um, 
So, so there's not a lot of, uh, you know, screaming and yelling uh, the way Billy Martin did, the way Earl Weaver did, the way uh, uh, Dick Williams did, you know. Uh, and it's funny because Valentine was not that way either. Valentine was a protege of Tommy Lasorda. Mm -hmm. And Tommy Lasorda, the, the, the beginning of the book has to do with how, how uh, Valentine played for Lasorda in the minors and, you know, learned really how to manage from Tommy. Um, the manager of the Dodgers was Walter Alston, who was another one of these old time guys who never got close to the players. He was the boss. It was my way or the highway, that sort of thing. Lasorda was not like that. Lasorda was the guy who put his arm around you and told you how much he loved you and learned the names of, you know, your wife and your children. Um, and, and, you know, it became sort of Lasorda University is what they called it. And this is, this is where Bobby learned to manage. Hmm. It's an interesting spot to, uh, to learn. It is kind of interesting. People don't talk about coaching trees in baseball, I feel like, the way they do in other sports. Uh, but there is a very interesting, you know, set of coaching trees throughout the sport. I know Bobby Cox has a decent one. Well, I guess he's retired now, but with Ned Yost. And um, you could even say Ozzie Guillen was part of his coaching tree. Um, uh, and then, um, gosh, shoot. Well, Freddie Gonzalez kind of was a, a not great <laughs> branch on that coaching tree, per se. Uh, but, like, he's had – uh, people don't talk about the managerial coaching trees. Why do you think that is? <laughs> Well, because there aren't many of them. I mean, the Casey Stengel, the, the Casey Stengel one, he learned from John McGraw. So John McGraw taught Casey Stengel and K Casey Stengel taught Billy Martin and Billy Martin taught Yogi Berra and uh, uh, taught, um, uh, you know, the major Ralph Houck. Um, you know, they're, they're not they're not a lot of them. Makes sense. Um one thing I wanted to ask you about, I'm from St. Louis, and uh, I saw you know your book on the Browns and, and Cardinals and stuff like that. One, yep. of the, one of the things that was the most fascinating to me that I, I didn't know um, was that uh, the Browns were the much more popular team in St. Louis until the Cardinals won a title. Yes, right. Until, well, I mean, Branch Rickey's got to do, you know, he's the guy. Branch Rickey's probably the most important general manager in the history of all of baseball. He, he started with the Browns yeah, and they were very successful um, under him. Uh, and then at some point he and the owner got into a, a, I guess it was a money thing. And he went over to the Cardinals. And when he went over to the Cardinals, he decided that he was going to build for the first time, a minor league system. He was going to have teams, uh, class a class B class C class D uh, and the idea was to sign as many young kids as you possibly could for small dollars. And then eventually a handful of them would become major league ball players, which is exactly what happened. And so he did that with the Cardinals. Um, George Weiss did that with the Yankees. The Yankees also had a fabulous minor league system. And then of course, Branch Rickey went over to the Dodgers and he built that Dodger team that won in 47, 49, uh, let's see, Phillies in 50, Giants in 51, Dodgers in 52, Dodgers in 53, Dodgers in 55, Dodgers in 56. 
I like how so, you just rattled off Branch Rickey, all those. Branch Rickey was an unbelievably important person in baseball history. Oh yeah, I mean, between, he invented the minor leagues and signed Jackie Robinson. I don't know how much more a general manager yeah. could do in the history That's of right. baseball. Uh, one thing I found interesting, though, and I was going to actually ask you this about the Rays earlier. One thing I found interesting about the Browns versus Cardinals history prior to the Gas House Gang or whatever, and the Cardinals winning, was yeah. the Browns were the more popular team in St. Louis essentially just because their games were kind of a party correct it, um yeah it was it was a lot more the fun. original the original browns owner vander ah uh he was the guy who decided let's have beer in the ballpark vander ah uh, owned a bar and he saw that from the hours of say one o'clock to four o'clock he had nobody in the bar <laughs> And then somewhere around 4.15, 4.30, everybody would show up. And he was wondering, you know, what's going on? And somebody told him, well, we got this ball game. Everybody's going to this ball game. <laughs> so Vanderab bought the ball club. So now he had customers for his beer. That's See, that's, what, that's what I love. That's incredible. And one thing I was – to that point, we, we've talked about this before, how obviously – Minor league teams draw fans a certain way uh, yeah. with the sort of extracurriculars and that type of thing and the more part, more of a party atmosphere. And, and I've always, I've, my, my big pitch is if you can't, I guess, get a lot of fans to the stadium, even when you're good, say, like the Rays, or more at what, what's more likely with a lot of teams like, um, you know, maybe the Astros right before they got on their run when they were just like the, the worst team of all time or, or maybe like the Tigers now. Why wouldn't why why wouldn't you make the like look you tell the fans look yeah we're gonna suck for a couple years right we're in a rebuild you know what a rebuild is I'm gonna take a few dollars off the beer let's just have as much fun as we can let's turn the let's turn the the game into a bit like you you know you're not just here to watch double plays and stolen bases because obviously you're not gonna see a lot of great things right now because we suck and we, we're building towards something better so here's cheaper beer here's cheaper food here's more kids nights blah blah blah. Etc. And I love that. I just love that from the history of the Brown. I mean, don't you think would that draw for the Rays? There was one guy in the history of baseball, and his name was Bill Veck, and he owned the Browns towards the end. And actually, when the Browns moved to Baltimore, the owners would not allow him to move <laughs> with the team to Baltimore because he was that guy. <laughs> he was the guy who had a midget. Yeah. Back. Yeah, he batted a midget at the beginning of the game. There was a doubleheader, and in the middle, and between games of the doubleheader, they had a birthday cake, and this guy jumped out of it <laughs> wearing uniform one eighth with a bat. That's really funny. And then in the second in the second game, he was the first batter, and Vec told this guy, he said, "If you swing the bat, we have a guy out in the outfield. He's going to shoot you with his <laughs> rifle and kill you. So you better <laughs> keep the bat on your shoulder." And sure enough, he walked. So that's the sort of guy Bill Veck was. I've been... uh, he had, you know, there were things like, uh, was, his might not have been disco demolition night, but that was the sort of thing that Beck would do. He would, he would have, he would give lobsters, for instance, on lobster night. He would give lobsters to all the fans. Live that lobsters? Sort of thing. Live lobsters, right. <laughs> give live lobsters to Come all on. the fans. He was an absolute hoot and a joy, and everybody loved him. But the owners hated him because he wasn't like them. He was not 
you know, a serious guy looking to make every buck he could possibly make. I, I actually think you should not be allowed to own a sports team unless you're an eccentric rich person. Like, I don't want a buttoned-up rich guy. I need, like, mm-hmm. the Steinbrenners and the Ted Turners and the Vex and uh, that type of thing. You know, yeah, I need a guy who's going to threaten to murder a midget if he swings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the problem with Steinbrenner, though, was that he was crazy. <laughs> not not inaccurate. I Is there any... Um, I'm going to say with the Steinbrenner stuff, those stories go on like they go on and on and on. I mean, what what is there anything that you maybe hit the cutting room floor or that people don't know about? Because everybody remembers. No, I, I, I put nothing on the cutting room floor. <laughs> no, that's not my way. Good. No, yeah, that's like, all in there. I like to hear that. Is there what what about Steinbrenner? Do you think just made him the way he was in terms of baseball and, and becoming so obsessive? See, the funny thing was he was not a successful owner. That's the people don't understand that he had two runs of pennants and world championships. And both those runs came after he was suspended from baseball for two years. Mm. The first time was for giving money to president Nixon's uh, reelection campaign. And he was caught red handed and almost thrown in jail. And he was suspended for two years. And during those two years, Gabe Paul built that team that ended up winning all those pennants. 76, 77, 78, 81. Those were Gabe Paul's pennants. And then the next time, what he did, he was having a feud uh, with Dave Winfield. And so uh, this fellow who worked for Winfield came to him and said, you know, I know a lot of stuff that Winfield's doing that that's really not right. And if you pay me $100,000, I'll tell you what it is. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so Steinbrenner gave him $60,000. And this guy... This guy told him a bunch of stuff, and then Steinbrenner put that in the newspapers as an attempt to punish Winfield somehow. Uh, and then the guy wanted another forty thousand, and and Steinbrenner went to the FBI and said that he was extorting him, and had Howie Spear thrown in jail. Good lord! So meanwhile, the the, the commissioner suspended Steinbrenner again for two years, and in those two years, Stick Michael was able to keep. Among other people, Derek Jeter, uh, uh, Andy Pettit, uh, the kid in center field, the catcher. Bernie Williams. Um, yeah, Williams and Posada. Uh, Posada, Williams, and there was a fifth one. Oh, Mariano, who he certainly <laughs> wanted to trade. Yeah. Steinbrenner hated Mariano, wanted to trade him away. Wanted to trade all those guys away. But once, once he was suspended for those two years, he couldn't do it. And so when he came back after the two years, all those five guys had established themselves as stars and, and took the Yankees to championships. Good Lord. Uh, There's a lot going on there. Yeah, I don't even uh, None of it involves George Costanza in any way, I don't think. Uh, oh, oh, it all, it all concerns George Costanza. <laughs> Actually, yes. I, I, his, father, his father comes to, the Steinbrenner comes to tell yeah. George Costanza's yeah. father that George is dead. And what is what is George's father tell him? Why did you trade? <laughs> uh, God, who was it? I don't remember. Oh, I, I remember you, the other line, which was, "How could you pay Hideki Arabu yeah, yeah, yeah. fifty million dollar? <laughs> however much you paid him, which yeah. is one of the greatest lines in sitcom history, in my well, opinion." Well, also, it, what, what, I wish I could think of the guy's name. He was an he was a, a, an outfielder for the Yankees who became a star when Jay, Jay Buner. Jay Buner. How could yeah. you trade Jay Buhner? Oh, that was, it was Jay Buhner. Yeah. Jay Buhner. Yeah. How yeah. could you trade Jay Buhner? 
That's exactly who it was. That's really funny. Yes. Uh, well, a lot of history there. That, uh, that, and it's, it's a Titleist. Yeah, <laughs> and Serenity now, obviously. Yeah, Serenity uh, now. It's yes. it's uh, there's a lot of history in baseball. You spend a lot of time writing about. It. I wonder what you think about what's going on in baseball right now. What's got you excited? What's got you irritated? Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff I'll going tell you on. What's now. got me irritated that I, I the only way I, I can buy a goddamn ticket to the Rays game is with my goddamn phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't really show up anywhere in person and buy tickets to anything anymore. People would look. Uh, it's just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous. And then, and then somehow, if your phone doesn't function the way it's supposed to, you spend forty-five minutes with the people outside the stadium getting it to work, and by the time you show up for the game, it's the third inning. <laughs> That's really fun. Well, that just makes you a Dodger fan, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah. Uh, as, know, a, I, as a Dodger look, fan, though, you walk up and down there, the there, aisle. There's yeah. an expression. There's an expression. You can always love a baseball team, but it will never love you back. And as long as you know that, you put up with all of it. You just do. Because there's no alternative. You know, not going to a baseball game is not an alternative. Right. Yeah, of course. And there's nothing else. That's just it. Hey, Peter, real quick, we got to uh, get to a couple sponsors. And the first one is pretty apropos of what we're talking about. It's sports betting because we love betting on sports. And this is a sports show. So, yeah, fuck it. We're going to talk about sports betting. Uh, In the world of sports, the offseason is a time to relax and regroup after a hard-fought season. But playing with MyBookie.com gives you the choice to decide when your season begins and ends. At MyBookie.com, you can bet on hundreds of games and leagues from around the world. Whether it's a game day parlay or a long shot winner, MyBookie's got you covered. Use pregame props or bet the game live to shift the odds in your favor and always come out on top. And not only does MyBookie host exclusive sports betting contests you can't find with any other sports book, but the bonuses are insane. If you sign up today at MyBookie.com and use the promo code DRINKINBROS, you'll receive up to $1,000 in bonus money when you make your first deposit. That's a thousand bucks in extra cash for you to bet when you make your first deposit with my bookie using the promo code Drinking Bros. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Next up, we got Ghostbed, whom we, as you guys, you don't know by this point, we love them. They're like our oldest sponsor. We have a Ghostbed literally in the office, despite the fact that no one sleeps here except the random hobo who wanders in uh, when we forget to lock a door or something. Uh, but Ghostbed is. The best. They're our favorite mattress in the world. And, you know, like I said, they've been with us for five years. They're like our oldest sponsor. They are the most comfortable mattresses in the world, and they last forever. They have a 20-year warranty on each mattress, and these are made in the U.S. And you can try them out for 101 nights if you want. Um, And then if you don't like it, you can return it. But if you don't like it, you're a psycho. Like I said, even the hobos like it. Uh, So if you're not satisfied, you know, you can return it if you want, but you won't need to. Each Ghostbed mattress also has cooling technology uh, so if you're, you know, hot at night, like we are constantly here in Texas, uh, you know, if you live in like Arizona or something like that, this is like, you need this. It's literally, these matches are amazing. I don't know how they do it. Um, like literally I don't understand the science and I don't intend to ever try to understand the science. I just think it's a magic cold bed. Uh, right now, Ghostbed is offering a flash sale that's 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get the mattress and an adjustable base so you can just like live in your bed in your in your bedroom or whatever, move it up. Now it's a couch. Uh, it's like a futon for very 
like people with money, essentially, I guess you could say. Uh, the Like I said, 40% off ghost bed bundles where you get a mattress and the adjustable base or 30% off anything on their site. If you use the code Bros, go to ghostbed.com slash drinkingbros. Uh, That's ghostbed.com forward slash drinkingbros. Uh, they have an adjustable base, like I said. It's the best in class and super cheap. You save thousands compared to others out there. And the adjustable base, by the way, it's not just up and down. It's got 15 massage modes, uh, zero gravity, and some other awesome features. You can buy a mattress for like $35 a month from GhostBed. They have zero down, a 0% financing plan. Again, GhostBed.com forward slash drinking bros. The price is great. The comfort is great. The promotion's insane. 40% off for the bundles of mattress and bases or 30% off anything else. Uh, plus, you get two free pillows with the code drinking bros as well. Uh, and they also have like cooling pillows. They're insane to the touch. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Uh, and again, that's zero down, zero APR financing. It's easy financing, $35 a month for a, like the best mattress in the world at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bro. And last but not least, we've got Killcliff CBD. They are back in stock. We have a ton of them here in the office, uh, both their CBD and their energy drinks ignite. Uh, but the Flaming Joe CBD is back in stock. That's Joe Rogan's flavor. It's like a spicy pineapple. It's really good. If you don't know what Killcliff is, it was it's a, a drink developed by a U.S. Navy SEAL to give you the benefits you need without sacrificing flavor. Overcome any obstacle with Killcliff CBD recovery drinks. Their products help you operate at your best because they know in life there are no days off and that quitting is never an option. Uh, like I said, the new Flaming Joe is back in stock. It's their most popular flavor across uh, all their drinks, both uh, energy and the CBD. Uh, and right now, Killcliff is running 30% off uh, on the CBD flavors. That includes uh, the aforementioned Flaming Joe, Mango Tango, Orange Crush, uh, the grapest of all time, Strawberry Days, which is my favorite. It's like a strawberry lemonade situation. Uh, I think I've already like crushed all of those uh, here. Uh, we are out, I believe, in the office, so we need more of those. Or you can just do a variety pack and get all the flavors. They're all good, um, but I do like Strawberry Days the best. Um, so for a limited time, uh, only go to promo code, uh, use the promo code drinking bros at killcliff.com and you'll get 30% off. That is right. Killcliff.com and use promo code drinking bros to get 30% off all the drinks and apparel. If you want a t-shirt or something from them uh, or a hat all month long. Uh, and like I said, ignite is their energy, energy drink. They have flame and Joe in the ignite. Uh, they have that flavor with the energy drink as well. Ignite. Uh, it's all natural freedom needed to conquer life jam packed with all the hydration benefits your body deserves. This is an energy drink. It's the only energy drink I can drink when I'm hungover. Because if I drink like a Red Bull or some crap like that, I get the shakes, get jittery. It's not, it's not good for you. Um, but the Ignite makes me feel better when I need energy because I've just riddled my body with poison. Um, and that's because they got good stuff in it that makes you feel better. There's no sugar, only 20 calories a can, B vitamins, uh, electrolytes. It's naturally flavored. Every review on like the Flame and Joe Ignite, which is they have that in that flavor now, they're like, this is incredible. How is this? A, like, I can't believe you guys made it uh, in, uh, in Ignite as well. Killcliff, again, you didn't hear me the first time. Killcliff is offering Drinking Bros an exclusive offer that's 30% off. Go to killcliff.com and use the promo code Drinking Bros. That is K I L L C L I F F dot com and use the promo code Drinking Bros to take advantage of this 30% off. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on in Major League Baseball right now. There's a lot of young stars. I mean, we saw the home run derby last night with Otani. And, oh, it's uh, fantastic. You know, Pete Alonzo. A lot of these weird rule changes, uh, this is kind of breaking news. Rob Manford was interviewed uh, earlier today and said that the, uh, the seven-inning doubleheaders are going away. And yeah. the, the extra innings with the guys starting on second base are also probably going away next okay. season. I think those are good things. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, I mean... 
I, I never liked the if, – if you're trying to speed up the game, it is what it is, but I never liked the starting a guy in scoring position. Put him on first. Make a guy execute a bunt or, or hit behind him or hit and run or draw a walk or get a hit or something. But why put Look, a guy in scoring position? Alexander Cartwright invented this game in 1872, and you don't screw with it. It <laughs> is what it is. Well, it just is what it is. They've you certainly – mess with it things things evolve naturally right like there weren't yeah, a whole lot do. of there weren't a whole lot of relief pitchers back in the day and then you started seeing guys you know uh uh become specialists right hoyt wilhelm mm-hmm. you know to colby uh, after that and, and other, then, many many other guys there weren't then. there weren't sliders there weren't, right. weren't launch angles right and, so <laughs> yeah Think, things change a lot, but I like the I like the direction the game's going in so far as entertainment wise I think they finally embraced the idea that uh you can be a baseball purist and still appreciate the fact that baseball is a TV show. It's entertainment, right? Yeah. And if you want it to succeed, it's got to be treated as such. So, I look, one of the most famous stories that all young kids hear about when they first learn baseball, at least when I was a kid, was fucking Babe Ruth and the World Series of Chicago pointing to the fucking fence and saying, I'm hitting this ball out of here. And everybody wants to talk shit about these young kids flipping bats and doing whatever. I tell you what they're not doing. It's looking at the pitcher in his eyes and then pointing like, hey, I'm hitting this pitch the fuck out, dude. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that's, that's a level of showmanship that made baseball what it is. The home run and Babe Ruth's attitude yeah. put baseball on the map. That's we, when it became the American pastime. We worship easily the most boisterous, maybe American athlete of all time. Right. Certainly more than <laughs> even Michael Jordan was in terms of just pure personality. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you well, know, understand, understand, too, why that was in part Mm. and that was because in 1919 the chicago white Sox were caught throwing the world series and there was a real perception that there was something terribly wrong with baseball because of the gambling involved right and so when ruth started when ruth was traded from the red Sox to the yankees and started his home run barrage uh, a lot of those people who were skeptical about baseball they said to themselves, well, screw my skepticism. I'm going to go watch this guy hit. <laughs> right. And that's what they did. And that's, that's one of the reasons Ruth is such an important figure in this game. And it's so interesting that Otani, who is the first player to be successful, not only hitting home runs and also pitching, tonight is going to start in this All-Star game for the American League and he's also going to be in the hitting lineup, which is absolutely amazing. Right. It's, it is incredible. I mean, no one's – look, <laughs> Otani already this season has hit more home runs than Babe Ruth ever did in a season where he pitched. I think that's a bit of a, a miss. He was in the dead ball era. Home runs weren't a, like as big a deal back then, obviously, long right. angle and all this stuff. It, but, I think it was like two or three years later he started hitting in the 40s and yeah. 50. Yeah, but yeah. Well, you know, during when Ruth was hitting home runs, the ball was so squishy – yeah. that they put the fans seated by the outfield wall. I mean, people hit home runs primarily because they hit them between the outfielders and ran around the bases. It was very, very hard to hit uh, the ball over the wall. And, and as Ruth became more of a figure, what they did is they, they hardened, hardened the baseballs so that Ruth would have more of an opportunity. And when Ruth... That first year, that one year when he hit 54 home runs, which might have been 1921, mm. whole teams did not hit 54 home runs. He was such an extraordinary, extraordinary person. 
We have a uh, saying on our history podcast, by the way, softcore, uh, shit don't change. And what I'm hearing right now, it's the 1920s. Everyone thought there was something wrong with baseball. The, the league was messing with the composition of the ball. Yeah. It's just, that's just, it's, does anything change in baseball? Like, that's the narrative constantly. Things don't change anywhere ever because right. it's, uh, you know, baseball, like any other institution, is a reflection of society. And there are always powers that are, you know, against one another. People who have profit motive, people who have a purist motive, people who have, you know, just want to be there to be there. There's all kind of uh, competing shit going on there. The good thing is it seems like baseball always seems to come back, uh, you know, to what it is. It's just an entertainment thing. You know what I mean? It seems like, like hockey is still struggling. And baseball has some issues with fans and stuff, but not nearly as much as the NHL does. No. NASCAR is pre- pretty much gone. And these are baseball, hockey, and uh, NASCAR are the, I would say more, pot, more popular with working class folk than some of the other uh, sports are. And at least the uh, uh, middle America likes these sports more than some of the other ones. And then you see the coasts don't really give a fuck about some of the stuff unless it's New York hockey. Then they care. Right. right? Uh, I think it's interesting to see how baseball keeps bouncing back. And it's bouncing back as maybe the most diverse of all the sports. Like there's more... St- if you look at the stars of the league, I think that it has more representation than probably any other league, right? In America, and for sure. The other part of it that, that you're not hitting on okay. is that there's only one sport that is actually a religion. Mm. Baseball, for many people, is a religion. Not Christianity, not Judaism. <laughs> it's baseball. They were born with a baseball gene when they came out of the womb. And the, 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 that's just you know what's important to them and it will always be important to them to you to both of you and to me well we all remember that uh james earl jones speech right yeah baseball um, yeah baseball just the way he says the word baseball still gives me chills right as an adult um yeah. i love it i think there are a lot of people who don't anymore but i there will never be a sport like baseball to me there won't be there's no entertainment activity like going to a baseball game for me no uh, uh, so I, that's why I like, I like to see Otani being a star because that tells all these other kids in Japan that you can be a star. It also broadens the avenues for people to fucking enjoy the game, but it's the talent. There have been players that probably could have done what he's done, but nobody gave them the opportunity to do it. And I'm not sure why he's the one that we decided to allow that to happen with. Cause there've been, a, there've been a number of hitters who have absolute fucking cannons that could have pitched in Major League Baseball, yeah. at least as a closer, right? Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, some hitters do transition over. Um, Jeff Ankiel. The guy. Or Rick Ankiel. Rick Ankiel went the other way, but a lot of position players end up becoming pitchers. What's the guy? He was a catcher in the, in the uh, Cardinals organization. He became Jason Mott, I think. Yes. He was, a, he was a catcher in the minor leagues. They're like, hey, dude, you can't hit. Yeah. You got you to hit. He says, well, I throw 100 miles an hour, so maybe we could do that. Yeah. And he did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no one's ever done both except for two people in history, Babe Ruth and this guy. I wonder why. Like, it's clear that right. he's, he's more talented at both. Like, he's great at both things. Yes. Which may well, not they, The coaches before. want these players to focus on one or the other. They always do. Uh, a lot of these kids uh, coming out of high school mm. who can throw the ball 95 miles an hour, uh, a lot of these pitchers end up position players. And there are position players, too, who they, they draft as position players who end up as pitchers. Right. Wakefield was yeah. one of them. Mm-hmm. Tim, yeah. Wa- so, Tim Wakefield so, was the first baseman. 
So, so sometimes, you know, when you're 17 years old, um, maybe you're not, you know, the talent that you're going to be when you're 20 years old. Right, right. But also, quite frankly, the thing that I understand is it also depends on who it is who's working with you. If you're lucky enough to get a coach who really can help you a great deal, um, you may be on your way. On the other hand, if you're coached by somebody who either doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't understand you, doesn't like what you do, uh, you may never see the light of day. Mm. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, it should be a yes. it should be a meritocracy ultimately, right? That's the thing in sports that is is supposed to set it apart from everything else. It's kind of like the military. I was in the military. Uh, uh, the best person at something gets that job because it's life or death. And in sports, oh. you would think the motivation to win would be above all else. Now, that wasn't the case for a long time. Well, it wasn't right? the case for Steinbrenner, apparently. Yeah, no, it was about <laughs> ego and shit like that. Yeah. So, you know, when these outside influences come in, that's why, like, uh, you know, I, I tend to always side with the players and these things. People like to frame it as an argument between billionaires and millionaires. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess technically it is, yeah. But they're the, the people come to watch the players. When the, these umpires these days getting confrontational, like when Bryce Harper... And look, I know he's got an attitude, but when he looks down at the ground and starts saying something to the umpire and the umpire steps out of his box and walks up to him, that umpire should get suspended. You, can ne- you should not be allowed to do that shit. We're here to watch Bryce Harper hit a home run. Yeah, I, I would- want to see Bryce Harper maybe argue with the pitcher or yell at the pitcher or something. Yeah, yeah. But not the you're umpire. Gonna be, you're going to be accused of defunding the umpire. <laughs> <laughs> pretty clever maybe we should defund the umpires uh well, i guess they're trying to they like, want to put a robot zone and yeah i mean that's stupid there should not like the we we, ha- we need something to talk about right we, we don't have anything to talk about if it's every call is exactly correct right right uh right. I, I don't want to see that i like the the errors are part of the game it should be but uh the umpire is getting aggressive now and 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 pursuing conflict like they, your job look at the look at the arguments that have that happened in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s with guys like Earl Weaver, you know, uh, Leland and, and, and Bobby Valentine's and Cox, mm-hmm. Valentine and Cox, all these arguments, the umpire is constantly trying to turn and walk away from the guy. In a lot of cases with Earl Weaver, he was so animated. I think the umpire started having fun with it because you could listen to some of those conversations and they're just like talking shit to each other like big yeah. time. Like, no, Earl, you're a liar. Get the fuck off the field. And I was like, damn, that's pretty funny. Uh, uh, but Except for those extreme circumstances, most of the time the umpire would just divert and try to get away because their job is to get, get the game going again, right? Yeah. It seems now that uh, not that they shouldn't have agency as a human being, I suppose, but your job <laughs> as the umpire is to shut the fuck up and get the game going again, not to start an argument with a guy, not to turn into the dugout because guys are yelling at you and your feelings are getting hurt and start yelling back at them. Yeah. Keep the game going. If a guy hasn't shown you up on the field or said something horrible to mm-hmm. you off field, if he's just barking about balls and strikes and you're throwing them out for that stuff, that, to me, is, it's, that is a problem. Well, the fans don't even notice if they're talking from the dugout. No, you can't hear like, that shit. Well, no. I mean, if you're in Tampa Bay, you might be able to hear it because there's only 12 <laughs> people there, but, uh, you know, in a, in a normal You scene. know, it's funny. The best umpires are the ones you don't notice. The best umpires, the game begins, the game ends, and you go home. Exactly. Never learn the, the yeah. best umpires. You never so, learn their name. should be seen and not heard, no. just like yeah. uh, the Milford Academy, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing about umpires, which I find so interesting, is now they've got the little you know, the, the, the square on TV. Oh, yeah. So you can see where the strike zone is. And these guys are throwing 95, 96 miles an hour. And it's interesting. Guy throws a 96-mile-an-hour fastball that's, you know, a half an inch off the plate. 
and the umpire calls it a strike and the commentator goes, Oh, that was clearly a ball. <laughs> I, I don't know how, quite frankly, how those umpires do it. Yeah, it's, clear, it's really quite amazing. Clearly to you maybe, but yeah, not, yeah. uh, not to the guy, especially when it's like, you know, like, a, uh, how old is Joe West? <laughs> like he's, he's definitely not, his eyes aren't at like peak performance anymore. And he's still doing Joe, pretty Joe good. Joe West is a hall of famer. He's, he's umpired more games than any other umpire in the history of the game of baseball. The man deserves to have statues outside of stadiums. Last year, it was a shortened season, 55, and 50, the 50 got five games recorded. And then in this study that I read, uh, the, the bad call ratio is what they called it. It was between 2008 and 2018 since we've had this modern tech, right? Yeah. So, like tracking the strike zone. 2.2% of calls are wrong. A 90 mile per hour fastball from 60 feet six inches takes 0.4 seconds to arrive, and these Amazing. guys these guys are making a minimum of 300 or so of those calls in a game, right? Yeah. I would say not 300, maybe like somewhere between 250 and 300 of those calls per game, right? Yeah, because there's probably like 130 pitches per team uh, yeah. on a regular day, maybe more. 2.2 uh, percent are wrong. That's a pretty fucking good rate <laughs> right. of return. Man. You're not I mean, kidding. Jesus Gentlemen, Christ. I've got about two more minutes before I have to disappear. All right, no, cool. Well, tell, us, tell us uh, before you go, who the players in baseball right now that have you excited? The baseball players who which? Uh, the baseball players uh, playing right now that have you excited about, you know, just watching and then the future of the game. Ah, um, Brett Phillips, Taylor Walls. You know who they are? Uh, they're probably I guys on Tampa you, Bay's roster because yeah. I don't know who they are. lineup of the Tampa Bay Rays, and you wouldn't know who yep. I know. people are. I know yeah, Randy. Not be excited. I, yeah. yeah, I know, I know Glasnow and Randy uh, Rosarina, but... Uh, Kiermaier yeah. as well, I know, but other than Kiermaier. that. everybody yeah. knows Kiermaier. I actually know yeah. uh, Wander Franco, the new kid that's up. He's, Wander Franco, yes. yeah. the new kid who's hitting about 210. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting to watch as these phenoms come up to see what they do. Yeah, it's it really, sure is. It's a lot of fun. Cool. And what do you think about uh, the the animated behavior from some of these guys, like Tatis throwing the bats around and et cetera? Does that bother a guy like you? Nah, I don't care. Good. <laughs> yeah, we don't either. Yeah, I like loved it. it. It's good. I think it's loved good for it. the game. Yeah. The idea that you can, uh, if you if you if your product is not getting the attention it wants, and you think it's you've given too much of the product out, maybe you have, right? Yeah. But maybe just make the product better. Right. Seems yeah. like a better well, idea. The, than product, the product is pretty damn good. That's all I know. I, I agree. <laughs> I all agree right. Too. Well, thanks for coming. Uh, we're going to continue with the show, but we appreciate your time today. Yeah, it was a real what honor. I, I've enjoyed it very much. Hope to see you again soon. Thank Absolutely. You Thank you. And Thank uh, you. his book, Valentine's Way, is already available for pre-order. Amazon's probably the best way to get it. it yeah. Says, right? Yeah. Hardcover. Uh, yeah. Available pre-order. So check that out. Bobby Valentine biography. Uh, the great Peter Goldenblock, uh, Goldenblock. Sorry. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Take care. You too. So uh, a lot going on. Uh, obviously, the Homer and Derby last night. I don't. I think that Pete Alonso may have been on MDMA the whole time, because <laughs> yeah. that motherfucker didn't stop dancing Just for dance five minutes the entire uh, time. But to be honest, after that first round, uh, I, I said yesterday in the prediction show that if somebody goes wild in the first round, look for them to lose energy throughout the game. But sitting there watching it last night, I had no. After that first round, there was no doubt in my mind that Pete Alonso was winning. Because yeah. he was the only guy there that seemed to be really enjoying himself and taking it seriously at the same time. Like, he clearly wanted to win. And 
he's the guy that's been there before and won it before, but he was having a pretty good fucking time too. Yeah, that's always been kind of an annoying thing about the home run derby, where it's like unlike the dunk contest, which I think is its closest comp in sports. Uh, everyone is at the dunk contest to kind of show out. Right. And I don't necessarily always get that vibe from everyone in the home run derby. Like Sal Perez, for example, mm-hmm. is I, who I love as a player. But I said this the other day, like, you know, he's just there to have fun. I mean, yeah, maybe he was there to have fun, but he still cranked 28. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, he did way better than I thought he was going to do. That's true. And, and to be honest, I, I don't know why I thought he wouldn't do better. I mean, he's he's got a very smooth swing big strong dude yeah he's a big strong guy he's in colorado apparently they didn't uh a normal i'm sure if you guys watched the broadcast last night you'll know uh that in colorado typically they put the balls in a humidor Mm -hmm. right and then bring them out so they have there's a little bit more moisture in the ball so it doesn't fly 520 feet uh stop doing that yes fully look in the night in the 90s and early 2000s you knew as a pitcher that if you were in colorado Nobody was going to give you a lot of shit if you had a 4-2 ERA, right? It's just, it is what it is, man. You know, maybe it hurts your uh, career rate stats if you're worried about that sort of thing. But when you go out on the free agency market, people see that 4-2 in, in Colorado, like, damn, this guy's going to look pretty good here. You know what I mean? I actually, I think a lot of people didn't want to go because they were terrified. Yeah, probably. Of, of not getting contracts afterwards. Yeah, maybe. Because they, they got fucking ruined. And conversely... It, it was weird, like, it didn't necessarily help the hitters, because it's, and it's such a, it's kind of the thing where you're like, how, how are so many of these people, like, in charge of sports teams? Because they'll be like, oh, well, you hit those 40 home runs in Colorado, that's bullshit. And then, but then a, a pitcher will have a 4-2 ERA, and they'll be like, uh, and, like, they won't take into account that he was pitching in Colorado. Yeah, right. I mean, look, it's, a lot of guys have had that issue. Larry Walker had the best years of his career over there, and I don't think a whole lot of people... He finally made it into the Hall of Fame, but I personally don't take his career home run number seriously. I mean, I, seriously, insofar as, like, he's probably, like, a 250 home run guy yeah. for his career, right? Not, not a whatever he had. I think he had, like, probably in the low fours, something like that, or high threes. Uh, uh, Dante Bichette is a guy that never had any real success outside. B- Bichette and Castilla are Freddy egregious. Castilla, yeah. yeah. Those two, it's like, dude, you, they should have had 130 career home runs. Like, they, right. yeah, they, Galarraga and Walker, I will say, were. <laughs> Galarraga had success before he ever went to Colorado. Right. Well, right. so did Walker. Walker was a good expo. Yeah, he, but he was a middle of the road home run guy. He was like a 20 home run guy, yes. not a 35 plus home run guy. Right, right, right. Um, now, <clears throat> there's a modern dude uh, who we're seeing this year, not really, I mean, he's, I guess he's suffering a little bit in the rate stat. Uh, it's Nolan Arenado. He's hitting 265 right now having a little bit of a down year, but his career splits, uh, uh, you know, between home and away, they're not that crazy. Like, so the last full season, 2019, 21 home runs in Coors Field, 20 on the road, right? His yep. slugging percentage is a little bit down. You would expect that on the road anyways. Um, so I'm sure there is some effect, but for a guy like him, it, it doesn't seem to be like it was as big an effect as somebody else. Yeah, I mean, he has a career 118 WRC plus. Yeah, and he's got a 120 WRC plus this year. Mm-hmm. So he's fine. Doing I th- well. I think they're doing better. About uh, well, they, I think there was a minute too where Colorado had a really good front office. I mean, you had him and Story and uh, a couple other dudes on that team together, um, whose names are escaping me. I think the last Colorado player that I, re- I definitely remember being a red flag was Carlos Gonzalez where it was like he yeah. was hitting 30 of his 40 home runs in Colorado yeah. and yeah he was uh he he was uh where, where did he go after I'll look that up because he I don't remember you didn't hear his name after not much now he kind of like 
rolled out of baseball after that. And I think it'll probably be, look, Trevor Story, he was in the home run derby uh, last night. He did pretty well. Um, I don't expect him to ever leave Colorado. I think it'd be a huge mistake for his career if he left Colorado. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stay there, have success, make money. Uh, but don't, don't go out there and try to fucking be a hero. You know what I mean? Uh, look, in, in baseball is what it is, right? But this, this guy hit 2019 or 2018, hit one of his better years. 26 at Coors Field, 11 on the road. You know what I mean? Yeah. In uh, 2019, he hit 24 at Coors Field, 11 on the road. And by the way, like when you play in the NL West, I guess the Giants and Dodgers have a, that's their bit of a pitcher's park, those yeah. two, but Arizona is a, another hitter, like the second best hitter's yeah. park in the league. And I think San Diego's kind of neutral. I can't remember. San though. Diego used to be pretty rough, especially on right handers, I think. Yeah. But I don't, I think they've changed some I think, stuff. I to, think they have. When, yeah, in like the Jake Peavy era, it was yeah. real hard to hit a home yeah. run out of there. Yeah. And, and the Dodgers, I, I think Dodger Stadium is kind of, it depends. You know what I mean? I suppose. It's, yeah. it's pretty deep in some parts of that ballpark. Yeah. And, you know, but the weather's always nice. So, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? You win some, you lose some on that one. But, yeah, it's, if you're playing, let's see, you play 23 games against your inner Yeah, division, 22, 23. 20, yeah. So that's 40-some games a year in shitty hitters' parks, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. That's half of your fucking away games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Shit. Uh, so maybe that number is uh, not as telling as we think it is. I'd like to see what their numbers are at those parks versus the other ones. And if that remains consistent rate wise, like home runs per bat or bats per home run or something like that. Anyways, I enjoyed the home run derby. Big fan of Pete Alonzo. He's a fucking how he handled that. I thought, I think the villain from last night is Jason Brown. Now he is the former catching coach of the Yankees. Now he's the catching coach of the Los Angeles angels. And he's the guy that was throwing to Otani last night. And for some reason, he kept throwing him fucking low and away fucking sinkers. What the fuck are you doing, dude? Yeah. You throw a four-seamer right where he wants it every time. This guy's a catcher. Like, they're, the reason catchers throw batting practice is because they short-arm the ball, right? Mm-hmm. You short-arm the ball so you can see it the whole time, and it goes in the same spot every time. That's the whole point. This yeah. guy was throwing, like, two-seamers. What the fuck are you doing, man? There's no way. That, that first-round showdown with him and Soto was amazing. That never happens if he's throwing the ball in the right spot to Otani every time. Yeah, Otani probably hits like fucking 40. 40 or 40 plus. Like yeah. every time he got a good pitch, it went out. Every single time. Yeah. Hey, Dan, I, I wanted to pick up the microphone for that exact comment. That was my biggest takeaway from last I night. I was so fucking mad. I'm screaming at my television. Furious. It was the worst pitching I've ever seen from a batting coach. Yeah. And, dude, it, it cost him the competition. Yeah. I was fucking screaming at my television <laughs> the entire night. That's the only reason I'm chiming in today. I, I would not let it go where I was like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> Whoever was throwing to Pete Alonzo, by the way, was laying it in there every single time. Every time. Alonzo's just flicking his wrist. And, look, oh my not, God. not to take anything away from you, you still got to hit the ball. And a lot of those guys were getting good pitches and couldn't hit it out. Uh, Mancini, by the way, also had a great night. Yeah, uh, incredible. But, but he just... Once I saw that he was going first, like, that's it, dude. Like, there's yep. no, Pete Alonso will not let you win if you go first. There's no way. No. Well, and that is, so that's one of the cool things about the home run derby is it rewards you for hitting more in the previous round because right. you get to go second if, yeah. the more you hit. Um, so that's pretty, that, that was cool, I thought. I will say my villain for the night is uh, Carl Ravitch and the rest of the ESPN crew. Yeah, they could not have made one of the more exciting moments in all of the baseball season more boring. It was un. Fucking believe the lady that I heard talking about uh, the the home run derby after the fact on Sports Center was way more exciting than those assholes were. It was driving me nuts. I, here's what, we, what Rob and I actually talked about last night 
was bringing on the NBA TNT crew. Yeah, like bring, something. Bring Barkley, Shaq, and fucking Kenny on there and let them talk. Or bring somebody to do something. Yeah, I mean, you need, you need to trot out David Ortiz, 100%. And I know it's on ESPN, so that we're mixing up the uh, talent here. Although, A-Rod does both, which is weird. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you need fucking David Ortiz out there. You need uh, uh, What's-His-Nuts, who, who we interviewed, uh, fucking Nick Swisher. Oh, Nick Swisher, yeah, but he works for the Yankees. But either way, yeah. I mean, he should, yeah, Nick Swisher would have been great out there. There's a ton of but, people. Or even, and, and it, it, so. Freddie, Freddie Freeman would have been a good guy. We've all heard yeah, him talk shit. Because Eduardo Perez wasn't any better. Uh, like, no. I, don't, I don't really want to, like, I like Eduardo Perez as a, a, as a commentator, re- regular yeah. broadcaster. Yeah. He wasn't right for that. You need, you need people going nuts. And even, and but Carl Ravitch, like, he wasn't good. Even like Dan Schulman would have been a better. Yeah. It was just well, crazy. Ravage is their baseball guy, but look, they haven't always operated by that formula because uh, it used to be uh, uh, Joe and fucking what's his nuts? Joe Morgan and fucking the guy from San Francisco. Miller. Was his name. Yeah, John Miller. Yeah. yeah. So it used to be them. They did all the Sunday and Monday night baseball games. And when it came time for the home run derby, it was fucking Berman. Back, back, back. Everybody right. remembers that shit. Because Miller had that nice, like, silky, like, you're yeah. at the ballpark voice. Yeah. But you don't want that. You want a the, fucking no. fat psycho. These are, screaming. yeah, these are two different people or two different fucking job descriptions. They really fucked it up. It's, it I mean, was, it, it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. And it fucking made me mad. I would, there's a, a million people on the ESPN roster that I rather would have rather heard than either one of those guys. I'd rather hear fucking, uh, uh, what's his name? The old dude from college game day. Lee, uh, <laughs> Lee Corso. Cor- Corso. Yeah. yeah. Like that dude gets fucking excited. This is the most exciting thing that happens during the baseball season until the playoffs. What the fuck are you doing? It was just a complete fucking bungle. They just should have had Yanni play the entire time. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know why I didn't do this last night. I should have just put on the ESPN Deportes broadcast because I'm sure those yeah. guys were going fucking <laughs> Well, nuts. maybe next year we'll just do a live watch of this thing and you guys can listen to us because I can't afford to be that bored again. No. My brain might stop completely. Yeah. You know what I mean? We'll just hop on Patreon so we can actually show the stream and then, yeah, yeah just go fucking. I mean, it was just, man, I, I couldn't. Like, ima- could, could you even imagine? I always like to go back to the dunk contest. Could you even imagine someone that boring? Doing the dunk contest. Fuck, get EJ on there. EJ is actually a great baseball broadcaster. Yeah, he is really good, yeah. I mean, I can imagine, uh, like, if Chris Webber was the, the only guy on the dunk contest. <laughs> yeah. like do you, do you just... like how Chris Webber always tries to, like, he likes to, tries to do 80% analysis, and then he always tries to get some kind of memorable quip in the, the end, whatever yeah. it is. And that's why they, it's like fucking uh, a CSI Miami. Yeah. It's like, wow, takes his glass over here, and that's... Looking, guess they're going to scrape him up or some kind of punt or some shit. Like, all right, yeah, cool, man. He just keeps inventing shitty casually. That's yeah. how you fry a donut. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's fucking brutal. Uh, so I like, the, uh, I like the all-star game. Unfortunately, in most seasons, it comes down to uh, the pitchers are just dominant as fuck, right? Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see. Is anybody is, or either one of the managers going to request the umpire check the pitcher? I fucking hope so. How fucking funny would that? That would be, be great if either one of these assholes. Who is it? Kevin Cash and who's in the uh, National League? Uh, Roberts. Dave Rob, Roberts. Dave Roberts. So yeah. if one of those guys are just like, I mean, it would be funny. Yeah. To, I, although you, baseball, MLB might not like it. Right. But it would be funny. I think it would be a funny joke between all the players and managers if, if they fucked around. Absolutely. Like set something up. That's look. Go fucking full WWE. Yeah. Well, what do you mean, WWE? Do you mean like Pete Rose murdering a guy at home plate? WWE? No, no. That was, uh, <laughs> who was that guy? 
he, he broke his thumb and never played again. Yeah, I'll have to look that up real quick. Um, yeah, so Pete Rose did an all-star game, which, again, is an exhibition. It doesn't matter. One time, uh, slid so hard into a catcher at home. Ray Fossey. Uh, Ray Fossey, yeah. Broke his thumb. He never played again, I don't think. Or he never he, played at the same level. He certainly wasn't no. an all-star again. Um, but it would be, no, not like that. I mean, like, stage something. Yeah. It would be really funny. Like, why not? It's yeah, a fuck fucking all-star game. Constantly. Guys do weird shit at every other, like, the Pro Bowl is a joke. Right. I don't even know why that even exists anymore. No. To be I, you know, someone had a great idea on Twitter the other day. It was take the two shittiest teams and make them play for the number one draft pick the week before the Super Bowl. That's not a bad idea. I mean, look, baseball's tried a lot of stuff to make the All Star game more interesting. Uh, like, whomever wins its that, home field. It's home field. Is that still a thing? No. Thank God. Yeah, that was horrible. Yeah. Why would that be a thing? Right. Like, why would you. Because ultimately, it's going to come down to pitching, probably, right? So why would you risk the health of a pitcher in a fucking exhibition game to decide the entire league? Like, if you're, if you're, if the best closer in the league is on uh, on a shitty team that year, and I'm his manager, and that those are the and that's the environment, like, no, you're not pitching, yeah. not not one fucking chance are they going to fucking use you in a high stress environment in this exhibition game? Fuck off, man! It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I didn't really follow any of the draft. Uh, I didn't either. Like I said, a lot of pitchers taken. Uh, the SEC, or I'm sorry, Vanderbilt had two pitchers taken in the top ten. Mm. Just to let you know how good fucking Vanderbilt is, including the, uh, I think he's Indian, um, uh, Kumar Rocker. Mm. He, he got taken tenth. Uh, who did he get drafted by? Uh, but he was like the the most famous college pitcher from the previous year. Oh, the Mets took him great. Is he uh, related to John Rocker? Because I don't. My understanding is John Rocker didn't like foreigners that much. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know, but I kind of hope so. It'd be funny. Uh, I would be really into that as a... <laughs> nobody ever... Pay, the, the, the Major League Baseball draft is so long. There's right. like so many... I don't think you could ever... Do they even televise that shit? They do the first round and maybe like the second and third. Uh, it, it has gotten to a point, in fact, in part thanks to college baseball, mm-hmm. that there is some getting to be some name recognition or at least the fans of the college baseball teams get excited about where their guy yeah, goes. I could see that, yeah. Um, because college baseball is, I will say, like in terms of just like pe- people loving the sport of baseball as mm-hmm. opposed to Major League Baseball, it's getting a lot of traction. The SEC loves it. The ACC, uh, the southern half of the ACC mm-hmm. loves it. Um, and then you got the California League, you know, like all those Cal State teams. And people like go nuts at those yeah. games. It's, it's pretty fun. Like our, uh, me and uh, Delco Dan's uh, co-host on softcore, Jake, he went to UF. This guy does not... He probably couldn't tell you five major leaguers, but mm-hmm. he is always up to date on how the Gators are in uh, where they're standing in the SEC and, and in the regionals, super regionals, et cetera. Well, I mean, they've, it, there's a lot of college teams, unlike the NBA maybe, there's a lot of college teams that have produced a lot of major league baseball players. Now, obviously the rosters are much bigger, but a lot of, like Rice, for example, has produced yeah. a lot. Uh, Pepperdine has p- produced a lot. A lot of teams. Yeah. Texas has produced a lot. I mean, it, it's interesting to me. I think that makes sense that teams will be uh, super into the, into the college aspect. Now, Clemson is a team that's produced a lot of guys in the NFL. They've had a good baseball team for a pretty good while. I think less so now, but they don't really produce major leaguers ever. I mean, Chris Benson and uh, the closer... Uh, Billy Koch back in the 90s yeah. were big guys, but since then they haven't really done much, right? I mean, who what, now, now you see a team in the SEC putting having two pitchers in the first round. I don't think that's ever happened before, right? Uh, you know, it probably has, uh, just because there's so many goddamn 
Major League Baseball drafts over the years. But, um, I mean, yeah, no, that Vanderbilt team was fucking stacked. Uh, the SEC in general was stacked in baseball. I, one Flor- thing- Florida's got 18. As of last year, actually, Florida had 18 people on Major League Baseball. You rosters. know who their probably most famous player on a roster is? Pete Alonso. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Who just won the goddamn <laughs> yeah, you know. home run derby. Uh, but a lot, of, most of them are fucking minor league guys. But uh, there's, there's uh, I like, I've always liked college baseball. Like, there's nothing... I like college football, too, to some degree, but there's so much going on. There's so much profit motive and stuff. College baseball doesn't make any fucking money, right? Oh, I, with the exception of... There's probably more women's college basketball programs that make money than college baseball programs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they have... Um, you're, you're just seeing pure baseball. Like, they're at that point uh, where it is the apex of talent for that age group. Plus, there's no profit motive, so you don't see any stupid bullshit going on. It's just if you're a true baseball fan, that should you should be able to relate to that. Yeah, I still don't understand why they're using aluminum bats or whatever the alloy is they use now. I don't know why they're not using wooden bats. It doesn't make sense. Uh, it makes sense to me in so much that aside from I would say probably two thirds of of college baseball wouldn't even sniff a minor league roster. So. The talent, the talent level's not quite there yet. Maybe. Maybe. Well, we'll see what happens with these guys. Kamar Rocker with the Mets. Uh, Jack Leiter, the son of Al. Yep. Right? Uh, who was quite the he, pitcher He was the himself. number one overall pick, I believe. Can uh, you he believe, was two. He was two. Yeah. Can you believe that team fucking lost, by the way? No. I mean, but it happens, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's, it's happened before. Uh, anyways, I guess we're done here for today. I love baseball. I'm looking forward to watching the All-Star game tonight. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. I don't think it was good. It'll look. Otani's going to start uh, both as DH and pitcher. He's going to be able to continue as DH after he gets taken out. If they have mm-hmm. to take him out, so that's a new rule, I guess. My guess is they're only going to give him one inning, regardless. Probably after with, with all the stuff that he's got going on this yeah. week. After you know last night, he said he he was exhausted. He looked exhausted, right? I doubt they're going to go longer than one. So that'll be interesting to see, and we'll see who wins. Uh, I'm going to make some bets. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna get. Uh, I mean, I think the NL takes us. I think they're the, they were the dogs too, but I like the National League tonight. The NL is almost always the dog in the All Star game. Yeah, uh, uh, but you know, we'll see what happens. Um, we'll go back over the bets here in a few, but for now, we're gonna get the fuck out of here. Yep, yep, yep. And we'll be back next week. Uh, kind of probably talking about a little second half preview, just mm-hmm. to what the fuck's gonna happen the rest of the year. And uh, after the All Star game's over, it's the second most exciting time, I would say in the baseball season, or maybe the third most exciting time before you get to the pennant races, mm. which is trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Interested to see what happens there because nobody's made a move yet. Yeah, it looks like the Cubs are going to trade everybody. They're selling, yeah. Uh, I don't know if the Braves are going to sell. I think uh, they should get rid of Morton probably and see if they can get something in return for him and maybe Smiley as well, but otherwise I'd yeah. probably... If you're gonna, I don't want them to like sell, sell, but if they do a soft sell, I'll, gr- I'll grin and bear it. Well, I mean, there's no point in continuing... With guys who have contracts expiring this year, you may as well try to get something out of them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, if anybody will take Marcelo Zuna, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> besides the jail? Yeah, besides Fulton County Prison, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. But, uh, yeah, the National League is minus one and a half on the spread. The money line minus 115. So. Oh, so they're favored? They're favored. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll take that straight up. I, don't, I hate betting. Over-under is 11 for the game. Uh, Might take the under in that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good pitching going on right yeah. now. I don't remember what the outcome of the previous All-Star games are. 
There, there wasn't one last year. Let's see. Uh, their last one was like three to one or something. Um, so 2019 was three to four. Yeah. 2018 was eight to six. That's 14. So that would have made it. And 17 was what the fuck? Where's the goddamn result? You idiot. Um, two to one. I, I, I feel like these games usually end low scoring, right? Over, it just depends. It just depends. Like it's really random. It's baseball. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it keeps its randomness. I mean, it was two to one with seventeen hits. Yeah, it's true. I'm going to take the under on that. It's minus one ten, and there's a couple of props on here. Uh, on my bookie, like you can bet on the first five full innings because that's the one people seem to take seriously when all the starters are still in. Yeah, which is crazy because the game's usually won in the last like four. Yeah, typically. Uh, uh, shit. We, there have been some incredible innings to some of these games. Uh, total runs for the American League over under five and a half. Uh, interestingly enough, and then same for the National League. Those odds are posted. And then, uh, you know, again, you can bet on the first five full innings as if it were a game, which is I'll probably, I'm probably going to bet all these just to make it a little more interesting for myself and make sure I yeah. watch all the way to the end because I don't want to miss anything. Dude, first half National League on my bookie, they're uh, plus 115 at minus one and a half. Yeah. So I like that. I like the National League leading after five for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the props are for this fucking game. Let's see. Mm, it's, it's minus one half. Yeah, minus yeah, one yeah. half. So they just have yeah, to be yeah. up by a run. Yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah, I do too because they're trying out some pretty decent pitchers yeah. to, to lead up there. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know how to get on my bookie. You can read the ad in the middle of the show on the audio later if you want. But fucking get your money on there because we're betting all season. We got there's a lot of shit coming up soon. We're going to start betting on the big three stuff. We're going to bet on everything. Get on over there. They'll math some shit for you. And uh, anyway, that's it. That's all we got. See ya.